Hey, I just want to welcome y'all again. If it is good to be in the house of the Lord, would you just say amen? Amen and amen. Hey, I want to do three quick things before we jump into the message. Number one, we need to celebrate again. This is going to be up on the screen that we just announced last week that God has opened up a door that only he could take credit for. That just less than two years from now, let's give it up for the Lord what he did. Only he could take credit for it. That in the fall of 2024, we will be moving into the Westfield YMCA that is yet to be built. And we will be right at the entrance of Grand Park. And uh, man, y'all, I I don't know why our online stream didn't work last week. So I didn't get to share with uh, everyone who wasn't here just the full story. Uh, Come talk to me sometime. It's a lengthy thing just to say that God is in control. Amen. He deserves all glory and praise for that. And I want you to know this, whether you're watching online or in the room, we can't go to Grand Park unless we serve the lost, the last, and the least. There's a trailer park just behind Grand Park, you know, in the midst of multi-million dollar homes, a 400-acre sports campus. There's a trailer park. If you want to go ahead and put these screens up, guys, we donated as a church 200 presents to this trailer park that we got to deliver to them yesterday. I want you to know this. 104 different kids got a present that they wouldn't have without your generosity. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Um, In Christmas time, I think a lot of people feel forgotten, right? We're going to be a church that people are not forgotten. Can I get an amen? This trailer park, you know, Westfield even tried to take this out. They tried to, you know, uproot it and it's still there. We are going to be there to serve. And I can't wait to see what else God opens up there and open up doors to talk to even non-believers and just serve alongside them. We even had a mom come up to one of the workers and say, I want you to know that because of what you guys are doing, this will be the only gift that my son gets this Christmas. So thank you. Thank you. We are, everybody say, for the one. We're for the one. That is what for the one looks like. That we say, God, where are the last, the lost, and the least in this community? We're going after them. They will not be forgotten. In Jesus' name, can I get an amen? Awesome. Hey, the third thing is this. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. For the next few weeks, December 24th, I want to invite you to our Christmas Eve service Saturday here at 3 p.m. On Sunday, that same weekend, we are not going to have a service. On January 1st, we're going to have an online devotion that will go live at 10 a.m. on YouTube. You can watch that from me as you enjoy that time with your family. January 8th, I want to shout out Pastor John West. John, can you raise your hand? Hey, John West is going to be bringing the word. Hey, you can do better than that. Come on, we're a one church family. Come on, give it up for this man. Uh, We're really good friends. You can probably tell he's wearing a Jordan hoodie. Uh, He's amazing. He actually did my wedding. He's been a huge, huge influence in my life. We got to hang out a lot at Trinity together. And uh, he's going to be bringing the word to kick off the new year. And so uh, I will be in Florida, so peace out. Uh, So we are taking our first true vacation due to your generosity as well. Uh, We'll be at the gathering conference and taking some time before a busy, busy new year. So would you go ahead and pray with me before we jump into the message? Jesus, we love you. Lord, my prayer for this morning is that you would be the center of everything that is done, everything that's said, everything that happens this morning, Lord. May you be the center. Lord, I pray you hide me behind your cross, that we give you glory in advance already for the lives that will be touched both online and in the room. We pray this in the precious, resurrected name of Jesus. Everybody said amen and amen. Hey, we are in a series called The Promise. 
And I'm so excited to bring a word to you this morning that has been heavy on my heart. And I want you to know this. A lot of the things that the Lord will give me to preach are things I'm learning that week. They are things that I am a work in progress. And so this morning, you need to know, and this is every week, I do not have this figured out. But I just want you to tell your neighbor real quick, turn the person behind you, just tell them this phrase to say, make room for the blessing. Come on, turn, turn to a couple more people, say, make room for the blessing. Somebody just shout it loud if you believe it. Just say, I'm making room. I am making room for the blessing. And this is the title of the sermon this morning. Whether you're watching online, welcome again. This is the title, Eliminate to Elevate. Eliminate to Elevate. Everybody just say it with me. Eliminate to Elevate. We're going to be saying this over and over and over this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at a few different accounts as we are in this Advent season. And we're going to look a little bit through the lens of the Old Testament, through Isaiah. And uh, I am so excited to just share what the Lord put on my heart. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. We'll start here. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to marry, uh, who was pledged to marry him and was also expecting a child. Baby Jesus. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I want to put up a very serious picture that we're going to come back to here for a second. Anybody ever seen this? Or if you were at one church, I think in September, we we, we looked at, at this a few different times. Uh, I don't know, what comes, what comes to your mind when you see this emoji? Grind, don't stop? Jackson Freed? I think so. Um, I, say, I, I see a lot of Instagram bios that say, you know, work all day, never sleep. And uh, it's kind of like just this promotion of burnout. It's really interesting, right? Uh, but it's all couched under this, right? And you look at someone's Instagram bio, it's like Philippians 4.13. Hashtag... God first. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I don't know what this is. Um, I don't know if you're a believer here this morning or not, but, you know, the way I roll and the way I like to preach is I want to talk to both audiences. You might be watching online and being like, yeah, that Christianity thing, that's not really for me. I want to talk to you, and I also want to talk to the believers this morning. But I think we can all agree on this. Number one this morning, if you're taking notes, busyness is worshipped in our culture. Right? We talked about this a few months ago. If you're just being real, you probably talked to someone recently and you're like, hey man, how you doing? Like if you're a bro, you're like coming in for the hug. You're like, how you doing? Man, I'm busy. Man, I'm busy too. And you almost try to like one-up each other's busyness, right? It's like, no, I bet I'm busier than you. No, man, like, like I'm, I'm 17 credit hours. I'm working nights. And uh, man, I still do play video games like every night for five hours, but I'm just so busy, right? Like let's just be real. And then this person's like, no, man, I got two kids. Like, you know, you know, this would be me. My wife is pregnant. We're, we got another one on the way, right? You know what I mean? It's like we, we almost like have a competition of busyness, right? It's interesting. And we're going to come back to the Christmas story. Don't worry. I just want to pause on just this New Testament verse that I've been pondering about this week. 2 Thessalonians 3.11. Paul speaks to the church of Thessalonica. 
And he says this, For we hear that some of you, this church that he's speaking to, is waiting for the second coming of Christ. So this is after baby Jesus. They're waiting for the return of Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is coming back, just raise your hand. This is what they were praying for, waiting for. And they were up to a lot of things, but doing nothing. Isn't that interesting? You can be doing a lot of things and not be making an impact simultaneously. This is who he's speaking to. He says, For we hear that some of you are leading an undisciplined life doing no work at all, but acting like busy bodies. Isn't it interesting, even on like Facebook and Instagram, like you even try to like promote how busy you are, right? Like you post like all these pictures. If you're being real, like, you know, you know I'm talking to you. It's like, man, like we had Christmas this day. We did this family thing. We cleaned out our kitchen. Man, I'm just like so stressed and busy, right? It's like we like to, to, to promote our business. We celebrate it. We worship it. And here's the phrase that I want to challenge you all with this morning. We'll start here. Busy doesn't mean you're necessarily bearing fruit. That you can be busy with a lot of things and not be bearing fruit for the kingdom. And, you know, I think, honestly, a lot of people in America, there's a lot of good people. Yeah, you have a lot of crazy people are doing crazy stuff. You see it in the news. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people I'm probably talking to in the room, like, you're a good person. You're not going to go try to hurt someone. You're trying to, you know, work and and do life and make sure that, you know, your kids are taking care of all that. But you can attend church Sunday morning, right? You can attend church Sunday morning and still not be available to God Monday through Saturday. Everybody just say the word available. This is, this is the word that God put in my heart this week as Lienza, uh, this, this is a crazy week. Uh, first off, let me tell you this funny story. I accidentally had sour milk that I didn't know was sour for breakfast, so that was interesting. Um, anyone, like, you, you, like, brush your teeth, and, like, I convinced myself it was the toothpaste. No, it was sour milk, and uh, Lienza is pregnant, so she had it later and said, I just threw all that up, so thank you for that. Uh, but this was a busy week, and I had some lunch plans that I was excited to do, and I had like just a packed calendar, and I, I was praying on Monday morning and afternoon. And I felt like the Lord just told me, Andy, you need to be available this week. You need to be available for your wife. You need to be available for the things that matter most. So let's come back to the text real quick for a second. Luke 2, 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. I mean, imagine this scene. You know, there's so much anticipation. There's hundreds and thousands of years of prophecy and every single detail being fulfilled. In this moment, baby Jesus, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. But there was no guest room available for them. You know, we're having a second baby, like I said. And uh, we're running out of room in our house because this baby's going to take my home office. So... I guess I'll just be working here. I got a long commute, so don't worry about that. Uh, but, but I think this, I think for most people, it's not that we have a misconception of who God is, right? It's not that God doesn't want to bless us, but it's just that we don't have room for the blessing. That God wants to do some miraculous things in our life. He wants to bring people and blessings. And he does want to bring promotion at the right times. He wants to give us influence. And this isn't prosperity gospel. We just serve a good God that wants to bless us, right? For his glory, for his kingdom. But I think if we're just being real, some of us in this busy, busy, busy Christian season, we just don't have room. We just don't have margin. We're just not available. What holds us back is not our aspiration. It's our availability. I think a lot of us, if we're just being real, like you want to be a good person, you want to do good things in your community. If I asked you, do you want to make an impact? All of us would raise our hands, yes, right? And then I'd ask the next question, are you available? 
for that impact, the hands would probably go down, right? And this is where I was this week. Looking at Isaiah, one of the ones that prophesied the coming of the Lord. He says this famous scripture, and I hear it at all these different missions conferences. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He says this. Let's just read these together. These these words right here. Here am I. Read it with me. Here am I. Send me. But notice the order of what he says here. Before he makes a statement about purpose, he makes a statement of availability. He says, send me, Lord, send me, right? And we all want to like quote that Isaiah 6, 8, put it on the car, put it on the missions conference. Send me, Lord, I'm ready. But before he makes a statement about purpose, he makes a statement about availability. He says, Lord, here am I. Fully surrendered, fully yielded, my eyes on you. My heart is ready. I'm listening. He puts himself in a posture to be sent. Here's a second point. I don't know where you're coming from. I would say this. If the devil can't destroy you, he will just distract you. In other words, to say is if the devil can't steal your faith, he'll steal your focus. Has the devil stolen your focus this week? I think in 2020, when COVID just began in March and, you know, everybody's freaking out and concerts are being canceled and all these things, right? And sports are canceled. Everybody's just, oh my gosh, this is the worst, right? And Half people are like not affected by it. And then there's other people that were actually affected by it, right? Like maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe it's like legit serious. You lost your job. Maybe it's you're still feeling the financial hardship. I'm not glossing over that, right? But I think for a window, even though I don't believe God caused this, I believe he allows things for reasons we can't always understand. He does work it all together for good. We know scripture tells us. But I think for just a moment, God had our full attention. In, in other words, I think a lot of us, we were forced to be available when we didn't want to be available to God, right? Isaiah says, prepare the way, remove the stones, raise up a banner. They're clearing the path for the coming of baby Jesus, but there wasn't enough room for him. There's not enough room for the blessing in our life that sometimes we have to eliminate to elevate. And I want to continue to talk about this a little bit further. Let's look at a different passage here. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2. And they asked, where is the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now you have to realize through Isaiah and other prophecies, they knew they were anticipating this moment of the coming Messiah. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him, verse 4. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least of the rulers among Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. But really, Herod is plotting something different. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose, it went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped and they opened their gifts, their treasures, and presented in gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. And then verse 12, here's the verse that I really want us to just sit with for a second. And having been warned in a dream to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let me ask you this question. If God spoke to you in a dream, would you know that he spoke to you in a dream? Would you know it was him? A lot of us, if you're watching on the room, like you're just like being gut level honest, you don't even believe that God speaks through dreams anymore. Let me just encourage you with this. Let me challenge you with this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. He doesn't sway. He speaks in detail, but we're just too distracted to see it. He still speaks in detail. He still speaks in very specific ways. And uh, I think for most of us, we'd be like, man, I probably just had some sour milk this morning, right? That was a crazy dream. But, but in verse 12, it says that they took another route, that they had to have enough discernment, enough wisdom, enough sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to be available to say, no, 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 God just spoke to us. We can't go back to what was. We have to go to a different route. See, discernment is not just a cute little thing. Oh, I, I want to hear God's voice clear in my life. No, no, discernment can save your life. Discernment can save you out of a toxic relationship that you're in, but God's prompting you to get out of. Discernment can save you. But you have to know his voice. And a lot of us, if we're being real, we want to learn God's voice without reading the word first. Like, God, I want to hear you speak. You know, I heard someone tell me the other day, they're like, if God is real, the other day I literally took about, you know, 10, 30 seconds, and I said, God, if you're real, speak to me. I heard nothing. We've we got to remember that God is speaking 24-7, 365 in his word, right? He's actually never silent. Yes, God sometimes has moments and seasons where he is silent in that individual relationship where you haven't heard a new word, but oftentimes he's telling you to go back to an old word to be obedient to what it says in his word. But a lot of us, if we're being gut level honest, we want a new word. When God said, you're not even obeying what's already in my word, you're not ready for a new word. You're not ready for a new relationship because you have not made room for that relationship yet. You're still addicted to pornography. I can't bring in the blessing because there isn't enough room for it. I want to bring good things into your life. I want to bring friends into your life that you can walk with, that can challenge you. But you see everyone else as a competition. You're not ready yet. I want to bless you financially, but you hoard everything to yourself. You're living in a scarcity mindset. I cannot bless you yet. You don't have room for the blessing. Are you with me this morning? He's a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants your family to be blessed. This is is not prosperity gospel. It is all throughout scripture. The favor of God is a real thing, but he places his hand on places he can trust. Can God trust you with the blessing? Maybe there's just not enough room. God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you, but you never speak to me. Will you give him five minutes a week in your time with him? He wants you to be known. He wants you to know him. And this isn't a guilt and shame condemnation sermon. There is grace and mercy. Can I get an amen? I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just wanting you to see the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, man, we need to make room for the blessing. So here's what discernment really is when you unpack it. Discernment is this, knowing the difference, knowing the difference between my voice, Satan's voice, others' voice, God's voice. And in Isaiah chapter 11, 
This is what it says. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of my, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Here's the beautiful thing, you all. God wants to give you a gift this morning. He's already given you his son. Can we, get, can we just praise the Lord for that? The greatest gift, the greatest promise is his son. That he made a way for you. He died on the cross for you. He has given you a way out of eternity and hell and into relationship with him forever. That is the greatest gift. But I think God wants to give another gift this morning. The gift of wisdom and discernment. And this is what Isaiah says. When Jesus comes, if we can go back to the last verse, he will come in the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, discretion, discernment as Proverbs talks about. But here's the thing. We have to make an exchange with God if we want to have the wisdom and discernment. This isn't works-based. We have to give him our availability. James says, ask for wisdom, right? You know what I'm talking about. Just raise your hand. It will be given generously to all without finding fault. But God wants to give that wisdom in its fullness, but we can't if we don't have room to hear his voice. We have to say, Lord, here am I. I'm ready to to listen to you for longer than 30 seconds, but I'm going to give you more time. If you hear me say anything in the sermon that's just worth taking with you for the rest of this Year, slow down. Slow down. This is the word of the Lord. And so when we think about discernment, others' voice, my voice, God's voice, Satan's voice, if you want to know like the will of God in your life, just raise your hand. Who does not want to know that, right? And all of these distractions get all crazy. And again, I, I can't tell you how important it is to first go to the word. I think our generation is like, I want to hear from God. And we're so enslaved to our feelings. We're not living by the word. But the word actually leads our feelings. Our feelings don't lead the word. Are you with me? That's super important. That when I feel distracted, if I feel insecure, if I feel like all these different people are saying things, God, I need you to break through the noise. He will. But first go to his word. First, meditate on the word day and night. Then memorize it and quote it so that in the moment where you're distracted, you're insecure, you're fearful, you say, no, in Jesus' name, God told me I am strong and courageous. In Jesus' name, God told me that I would not turn to the right or to the left. Are you with me? The word first. And then, Holy Spirit, he is a person. That God does not just speak in the general. He speaks with very specific words and direction. You know, I think there's like this really popular movement that I would disagree with. You know, people are like, you go to college and it's like, man, just, just kind of marry someone who's like a Christian, has a good family. Can I tell you, I was in two relationships just like that and God said, no. No, 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 we're not just talking like I make general decisions about my life. Well, God gave me free will. He gave you free will, but he also gave you the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Yeah, 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 you get this lamed. I, I, don't, I don't pray about ordering a cheeseburger or a salad, right? Okay, nobody thought that was funny. You all just, no, I feel convicted this morning. I'm mad at you, right? It's like, you don't have to overcomplicate it. But when it comes to major decisions in our life, yes, he gives us free will, but he gives us the gift of the Spirit. Isaiah says in chapter 30, it will be like you're hearing a voice over your shoulder, either turn to the left or to the right. Go this way or go that way. And we say, no, 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 God doesn't speak like that anymore. That's Old Testament. No, 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 I would say we're just too distracted. We don't give him the time of day. 
But the Lord, he's so kind to all. He's so patient. He's so patient with me when I can be so ADD, so focused on everything. Right? Have you ever noticed when you're trying to get in the word, it's like you get a new email like every five seconds? You think that's a mistake? You're like, if I can just get to open up my Bible and a sports center and, and my baby's crying and the diaper's like, the enemy wants everything in his might to just keep you out of that. Because if he can't steal your faith, he'll just steal your focus. So I say all that to say this. We need to discern this. This is where it becomes application. A good thing versus a God thing. And I really do think that so many American Christians were not even failing because of crazy moral failures. We're we're, we're failing because we haven't been able to discern a good thing from a God thing. And we fill up our schedule with all of these good things, right? It's like, hey, going to a movie or being friends with this whole friend group and then trying to cram in that Bible study and trying to work out. It's like, I know, like, it's hard. And I'm right there with you, man. I was overwhelmed this week. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking with you. But there's a major difference between a good thing and a God thing. Are you with me? So to take that a step further, just to say this very clearly, when we let good things fill our schedule, we have no more room to say yes to the God things. Make room for the blessing. See, this is, this is a leadership principle that even when things are going well in your life, the Holy Spirit will prompt you, and he wants to take you to the next level. He wants you to go into a new season of maturity where he wants to entrust you with more. You have to intentionally say no to a few things that are good things, they're not God things. This was this week for me. I'm going through my schedule. I'm looking at my emails. I'm looking at my calendar, and I had to make a gut-level decision to say, God, What are the good things? What are the God things? What are the things that are urgent? What are the things that can wait three, four months? Are you with me? I want to take this a level deeper, and this is so important. There's a major difference between these two words, aspiration and anointing. Aspiration versus anointing. Okay, so when I say aspiration, what comes to your mind? Just think about it. It's like striving. It's it's achievement-based. But just like we talked about, I don't want to do anything like Faith was just saying in worship. I don't want to do anything in my life unless God's hand is on it. I don't want to say yes to a job. I don't want to say yes to a relationship. If Grand Park was not from the Lord, we would have said no. Only if God goes with us. Only if God's hand is on us. And I just felt this image in my mind, you all, as I was preparing this morning, as I was practicing this morning, I just had this image in my mind of some of us, maybe online or in the room, we have made handshakes and deals with things that are good things, they're not God things. That we've even said yes to jobs, we've said yes to relationships that aren't necessarily totally sinful and destructing your life, but they're just good things, they're not God things. I don't want to just repeat this phrase until it's in your heart all week. We have to eliminate to elevate. We have to eliminate. When Isaiah says, prepare the way, remove the stones, he's saying we have to eliminate certain things out to clear the way for Jesus in our life. Galatians 1.10 says this. Galatians 1.10. Am I now trained to win the approval of human beings or of God? See, this is the decision I had to make this week. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, Right? 
So if family is more of a priority in my life than ministry, if I say yes to something that's a good thing, not a God thing, God will not back that up. Are you with me? That God actually doesn't promise rest for this. Right? He doesn't promise rest for striving. He doesn't promise rest for this ambitious spirit to say, I'm going to go conquer the world. If God's hand is not on it, you will not have rest. Is it a good thing or is it a God thing? Is it a good thing or a God thing? Right now, literally just think through your calendar, your email, your commitments that you have made this Christmas season. Some of us are so overworked, so tired, so busy. We have no margin for anyone and anything that's a God thing in our life. Eliminate a few things this week. Sometimes, right, saying no is your obedience. I have to make the decision every week for me and my family to say, God, Maybe there's a few people that will be disappointed in me who are far from me, but I'd rather have that than people who are close to me being hurt. That I can live with people from a distance that are not in my inner circle being a little disappointed in me than my family being hurt by me. Right? Is it a good thing? Is it a God thing? Is it a good thing? Is it a God thing? I want to skip all the way down to this. Sometimes we label things as a distraction that are actually priority. What do I mean by that? This week, on a lighthearted note, I kept hearing these knocks on my door. I work from home, like I said. My office is about to be taken over by kid number two. Praise God. That's a good thing. But this week, I'm working on my sermon. I just keep hearing, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Every time I'd open the door, this is the most cute thing. I literally could cry right now. Every time I open the door, she goes, I love you. Runs away, right? And uh, someone said she is Boo from Monsters, Inc. I could see that. Um, The little, you know, those were not devil horns. That was pigtails, okay? All right, gosh. Jeez, should not do that in a sermon. All right. Note, Note for next week, John. You know, someone will frame me with this as a picture. But why do I say this? Sometimes we label our kids as a distraction when they're a priority. That we actually take God things and we say they're good things. That we actually put work and our ambition and our calling over our first priority. And every time she knocked on the door, it was like the Holy Spirit was prompting me, answer that door. Every time. Every time. Here's the third point. Eliminate to elevate. Some of you are like, I'm sick of you saying that. I'm going to say it again. Eliminate to elevate. Because you're going to think about it this week. Isaiah 62.10. Pass through. Pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Remove. Everybody just say the word. Remove. Remove the stones and raise a banner for the nations. Now here's the two words I want to focus on. Remove and raise. Now notice, this is about the coming of Lord Jesus. This connects to the prophetic fulfillment of baby Jesus in a manger, and it uses these two words, remove and raise. Remove and raise. And this is how the Holy Spirit was showing me this week. It was another way to say this, eliminate and elevate. That there's some good things in our life. They're not God things. They need to be eliminated. I'd say it like this. Every time God calls you up, he'll call you out. What do I mean by this? When God wants to take you into a new season, when he wants to entrust you with more, he's always going to call you up and he's going to call you out of something else. 
And honestly, the gut level truth is this. You can't take everyone with you with where God is taking you. You just can't. And a lot of us, we have friendships that are toxic. Maybe it's a dating relationship that's toxic. And God wants to take you to the next, but you're caught up in the nostalgia of what was. And I think in Christmas, this word nostalgia, it just wraps together so much of what we feel. Some of it's good. Some of it's Christmas traditions that we love, that we can't wait for. And then some of it is, it's so nostalgic that the enemy, if he can't get you to look to the right or to the left, he'll get you stuck in what's behind. Are you with me? And then on the flip side, some of us are caught up in the future. Some of us are like, man, I'm praying so much for that spouse. I'm praying so much for that square footage. I'm praying so much for this job. And God is like, can we just be like right here for a second? Because you're missing what's right in front of you. That you're wishing about tomorrow. Even, I would use the word, you're lusting over tomorrow that you missed today. But if you don't handle here, how are you going to get there? Right? If you don't handle this pornography addiction right now, how is God going to be able to bring that spouse to you? You're not ready yet. How, if you want to have more friends and connections and impact, but you're, you're caught up in so many different addictions that are enslaving you, like let's handle right here if you want to get there. Are you with me? Or Galatians just says, Let's stay in step. Everybody just say in step. Let's just stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I just do what I see my Father doing. That if this is where you have me right now, Lord, yes and amen. What can I do right now just to be right here? So here's how I want to make it super practical. What does making room look like for you? I've already mentioned some of these. Maybe it's silence and solitude this Christmas. I think this is a lost art in our generation in this day to literally just turn off the TV, turn off social media, literally give God a few hours in silence. And I know you're already thinking, well, Andy, I have kids. I work. I know. I get that. I'm right there with you. Do it at 2 a.m. in the morning. That is my favorite time to spend time with the Lord because nobody's up except Chris, Laura, he's texting me sometimes. Jackson. So this is funny. I actually woke up in the middle of the night to spend time with the Lord, and I was, like, getting ready to get a few hours of sleep. Jackson is getting up at 4 a.m. This man texts me. I'm like, I am ending my day. You are starting your day, my brother. That was hilarious. But maybe you need social, Maybe you need to literally just have silence and solitude. Maybe it's turning off the TV. Maybe it's literally canceling something on the calendar. Maybe it's eliminating a hobby or a habit. I was, re- I was talking to this guy this week who is the principal at, um, I can't remember what it's called, Quorum Day School in Carmel, you know what I'm talking about? I'm sitting across from literally the principal, and he's talking to me about what he's learning leadership-wise. He told me about this book that says that oftentimes when push comes to shove, we follow our habits over our heart. That research will literally tell us our psychological, biological makeup that when push comes to shove, we just do what we've seen that's been done. We just do what we saw our dad do. We just do what our family did. We just have built up these habits. Maybe it's literally eliminating a habit. God, that cannot stay with me. If I'm going to lead my family in this season, I have to say no to three, four good things. They're not God things. I'm not saying you can't have a hobby or a habit. You know, I'm watching the Pacers game. No shame, all right? This isn't legalism, but this is discipline, right? And we want Jesus, all grace or all truth. But he comes full of grace 
and truth. Maybe you need to literally consolidate some relationships. If I'm being honest, y'all, that's the hardest one I've had to learn in my life. And I don't know if you're like me who struggles with people pleasing, but sometimes I want to be friends with everybody and close to nobody, right? And God has had to break down some things in this season and show me, Andy, you're going to have to say no to several acquaintances and you need to have just a few people that really, really know you that can really speak truth and love in your life. Maybe it's literally consolidating those relationships. Would you stand to your feet? Here's where I want to end. Matthew 6, says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you. This is where I really want to encourage you. God multiplies when we make room for him. Let's just read this together. God multiplies when we make room. This is what Matthew is telling us. And I remember even this morning, I'm practicing my sermon. I come with a to-do list. I come with all these little things that I feel like that, that need to be accomplished. And, and it's so funny because sometimes like I'm working on my sermon, I'm practicing it out loud, and it's almost like in a loving way, I can almost picture the Lord just like smiling at me, just saying like, I'm ready when you are, right? Meaning when you're ready to ask me for the wisdom and the discernment for this sermon, I'm ready to give it to you. And isn't that such a picture of literally like what we do on a week-by-week, day-by-day basis? We're just striving and going and going and going and calendars speeding up in sports games and all these things. And we're like, God, please help me. God, please help me. And then when I think about the story of the gospel and baby Lord Jesus, Luke 2, 6 through 7, where they were again for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him on a manger where there was no guest room available for them. And I think if we're being honest, a lot of times we want Jesus as Savior, but we don't want him as Lord. And if you're literally just going to picture your life as a house, I think often we'd probably all be guilty that we just want to give Jesus the room at the end of the house. Jesus, as long as I'm saved, as long as I know I'm not going to hell, I'll give you this room in my house, but you have no permission to talk to me about my finances the way I spend my time, my money. Like, like, just at least stay in that room. We kind of cram Jesus into the end, but I just want to know that I'm going to heaven. And I want to just give you a, a new picture. I, said, I felt like the Lord told me this week to tell you that it's not giving Jesus a room at the end. It's not even making room for him. It's about us emptying our entire house and making him the center point of everything that we do. This morning... Maybe you're a believer and you're like, man, I just, I need margin in my life for the God things. Maybe I'm talking to a non-believer watching online and you're like trying to cram Jesus into the side of the house. Like, I just want to know that I'm saved. And Jesus is telling you, empty the house. Make me the center point of every single thing that you do. Don't try to sprinkle me into your life. Make me your life. And watch what happens. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace and your patience. I just want to give an invitation right now to anyone as we are nearing this Christmas season. 
Maybe you're watching online or in the room and you're like, if I'm being honest, like I've just tried to cram Jesus into the side and sprinkle him into my life, but I don't really have a fully surrendered relationship with him where he is the center point of, of my entire existence. He's, he's my savior, but he's not my Lord. And I want to make that decision this morning. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you that you're ready to take that next step. Would you just raise your hand this morning if that's you? You want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. You want to give your entire life to him this morning. Just raise your hand. I see your hand. Does anyone else want to make that decision? family here and I want to pray that prayer together. You can keep your heads bowed, but let's just pray this prayer together for the for those that are making this decision this morning. Let's pray it out loud. Father, forgive me. You can just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you your blood was shed for me. I give you my life. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you rose. In Jesus' name. You can keep your heads bowed. I just want to give another response for any believers in the room that are like, man, Jesus, he is my life. But if I'm being honest, I've said so many times yes to good things that were not God things. And it's time for me to prepare the way for the Lord in this season. I'm ready to give you some of those things. I'm ready to give you whatever you ask, Lord. Just raise your hand right now if that's you, if you're a believer. I'm right there with you. I raise my hand, God. You see our arms outstretched. I pray for the believers that you would give them the gift of wisdom and discernment, Lord, that you would literally be like what it says in Isaiah. You'd be like a voice speaking over our shoulder to say, go left, go right, say no, say yes. Pause, stay, go, run, rest. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the ability that comes from your power to stay in step with you in this season, Lord to serve the lost, the last, the least, the lonely, to have margin for our family, to get up in the middle of the night, to be on our knees, to say, Jesus, whatever it takes, I cannot afford to miss time with you. I cannot afford to let my family go to the wayside. I cannot afford to throw my marriage into the trash. Right now, in Jesus' name, God, I I just believe you're bringing us back. You're bringing us back to our first love. Even for the husbands in the room that feel like, man, I've just, I feel like I've blown it in this season. God is just saying, your story is not finished. That there's grace and there's mercy, that there's redemption. God, I speak redemption and blessing over this family today. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Let's worship one more time out of this posture. Say, Jesus, here am I.